When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. Got another tough divisional uh, road trip ahead, and we'll figure out where we're at from an injury standpoint and, and all the things that, uh, you know, we can do to help our team and our roster be prepared for the opportunities we get come playoff time. But it's back to work and, and, and with an urgency of understanding we've got some things to correct and fix being honest with ourselves starts with me. Um, I got to be better for our team, and uh, I got a lot of confidence in this football team. And uh, we just go back to work and, and and move from there. Okay, we should almost bust out the the coach truthometer there for Kevin O'Connell. Do you believe that he does have a lot of confidence and faith in this football team? Um, you know, with the way he's wired, I actually do. I think he's the type of guy who probably does maintain that sunny disposition. Uh, but does it look like it was shaken? Definitely. Like, I don't think it, I don't think it left him. I think it's still there, but just still, because I went back and watched that entire presser. When you went back and watched it, he, he, it, he was shaken. Like, I think that was even by his standards for this funky team. That was weird. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. I think he's, I think he's just trying to keep it together at the end of the season here. I don't think he knows what this team's going to do from week to week. He even said, we had a good week of preparation. I need to figure out why. But, like, was it a good week of preparation? Because if it was a good week of preparation, why did you get smoked? Well, whatever the final score was. I guess 41 to 17 in garbage time. Thanks, Jalen Naylor. He said the same thing, I think, about the preparation after the Dallas game, too. I, I He's definitely got some go-tos, some staples. So, some KOC isms. Great week of preparation. In yeah, the Dallas unbelievable Vegas, week of preparation. Awesome week, guys. But I mean, he definitely has. He's got that one. He, he's got the. If he's going to be critical at all of the team, he starts with himself. Like so, there is a there is a, a KOC blueprint to bad losses. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, there was a great therapy session yesterday on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. And you can find the audio version on demand on the podcast feed. It's called Vikings Vent Line. I don't know if you're if you're new here. It's the the best therapy session you're probably going to find. So you can find 90 minutes of that yesterday. Um, ep- a couple epic rants too. Bob and his brother at one point I think just blacked out screaming at the yeah. the computer screen. So check that out. This is Purple Daily Daily Vikings Entertainment and Therapy. And uh, we just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl at some point before we die. That would be nice. Uh, the show is presented in part by our friends over at TCL, one of the world's best-selling consumer electronics brands. They have a new lineup of award-winning TVs delivering the most entertainment 
Eh, yesterday wasn't really entertaining, but don't blame the TV. With stunning resolution, all at an affordable cost. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. And uh, Surly is still the official craft beer of this show. Um, and yesterday, you may have had to tip an extra one back. We saw some people showing us their empty cans of yep. of Surly yesterday because they needed something to help them deal the second half of the day. And the most important thing about life is while teams like the Vikings might at times let you down, you know what? Certain things can't. And among them is your beer, and that's why Surly mm-hmm. Beer is the right choice. Because it even on a game day in which the Vikings get blasted by Dallas or Green Bay, guess what? The Surly tastes just as good. It could be a furious, a logic bomb, a before I die. No matter what, it's not going to disappoint, even when your favorite football team does. And, of course, show us your cans at Score North or at Jay's Olgad on Twitter. We love to see those surly cans. Yeah. All right, boys. It's time for a couple different things here. Old Chef Macadac in a little while, has a pie chart of blame of epic proportions. I think it's the most slices uh Chef Macadac has ever. He, he likes to keep it to you know three, four, five slices usually. It's Zolgadian. Couldn't do it today. It's very Zolgadian. So. Nice. The pie chart of blame is piping hot. It's just sitting. It's uh, it's it's staying warm in the oven right now. It's good. But we're gonna go around the room here with our hottest Vikings takes as we do every single Monday. Does anyone want to lead off? Anyone want to volunteer? Can I say right now? I want Macadac too because I saw I was actually okay. sleeping last night. It was a, just a tick past midnight. And my phone beeps, and I'm like, what is this? And I saw a tweet from Macadac that he basically had a he had a, a hot take that was going to burn the roof of your mouth, and I want to hear that one. He slept on it, too, just to make sure. Because, you know, you feel passionate. You're calling yep. for O'Connell's job. Good. I can't believe it. I can't believe in your one you're calling for his job. <laughs> not quite. Not quite. But here, <laughs> but, okay, I'll just give it to you. Here's my hottest Vikings take this morning. The Vikings would have had a better season with Jim Harbaugh as their head coach this year. The Vikings would have had a better season with Jim Harbaugh as their head coach this year. I would like some explanation for that. Okay. Hot take. I am not saying the Vikings made a mistake in Kevin O'Connell. I stand for Kevin O'Connell. I'm a Kevin o- I'm a KOC guy, okay? Give me the NWO font with KOC across my chest. I am a KOC guy, okay? But I think we've seen some things, some red flags with this team. And some of it might be rookie coach. Some of it might be stylistically. He's, I, think, I think he and they, the coaching staff, are trying to get pieces to maybe fit into systems a little bit more than they should. So Jim Harbaugh teams, the TCU game, Michigan, uh, Michigan didn't win notwithstanding. Jim Harbaugh teams are generally very physically tough to play against. I mean, I think Harbaugh 10 years ago sort of set this culture with the 49ers or reset the culture, if you will, that then Kyle Shanahan got to pick up the torch. That when you play the 49ers, you might not lose the game, but you're going to probably lose next week, right? Like you're just going to get your ass kicked against the 49ers. I think this year, I think I saw that teams that have played the 49ers this year, you know, 10 years after they hired Jim Harbaugh, I think they're like 0-16 or 0-17 the following week because of the car crash that they were in. So, like, the personality of Jim Harbaugh teams is that they are physically tough to play against. These Vikings are one of the most finesse teams in the entire league. Like, if you take away maybe the five worst teams or something and take the competitive teams, 
Can you guys name five more finesse teams than the Vikings? They spread you out five wide more than almost any team. They play off coverage on defense, right? They're dropping their best pass rushers into coverage a few times a game. I'd have to think about that, yeah. They're soft, man. The Vikings are soft. Jim Harbaugh teams aren't soft. I would say uh, Jim Harbaugh, almost assuredly, from what we had been told back in January, when this was a thing, it was like Jim Harbaugh came in for an all-day interview, that Vic Fangio would have been his defensive coordinator. So instead of getting the guy that worked for Vic Fangio, Ed Donatel, you would have just gotten Vic Fangio, yeah. one of the great defensive coordinators in the uh, in the business. And I also think Harbaugh, just like Kevin O'Connell, would have found a way to connect with Kirk Cousins, just like he did with Alex Smith back in the day, just like he did with Colin Kaepernick, just like he did in college with Andrew Luck. Jim Harbaugh also, and I think Kevin O'Connell has done a wonderful job with this too, largely with Cousins, but Harbaugh has been a quarterback whisperer his entire coaching career. I think he would have seen that. And uh, and I think Harbaugh's offenses would have pivoted away from like just putting it all on Cousins. All right, we're just going to spread them out. We need you to throw for 400 yards because that's our only path to winning this game. You throwing to Justin Jefferson. I think he would have found more ways to creatively run the ball, pound the run, play action, which might have played better in into Kirk's hands. So um, I think maybe the Vikings still finish the regular season with fewer wins because you know there's there's been a, a fortune factor here that you can't replicate from year to year. But maybe they finish with 10 or 11 wins, but it's a tougher team and they're more equipped to go in and not get their doors blown off by 40 points in a playoff game. So, again, I am not saying they made a mistake long-term because I think the Harbaugh, don't, the don't Harbaugh thing is a short-term thing. You're going but with the, it. The more this season has played out... I don't like how finesse the Vikings are. That would not have been the personality of this team under Jim Harbaugh. Oh, my God, is there a lot to unpack here? Because, number one, I, I think, and part of the reason why, because Kwesi wanted Harbaugh. So I think part of the reason why Harbaugh didn't get the job, though, is is this team would have looked very different. Like, they're soft because some of their players have been here a while. They're o- older, and I don't think they're particularly tough. So I do think that if you're going to say that about Harbaugh, I think we have to do it under the thought process, too, of what would the roster have looked like? Because I think he turns, actively tries to turn more over, and I think that's par- partially what uh, um, the Wilfs and the front office probably objected to. The Wilfs? Yes, yes the, yeah, the pack of Wilfs. But I do think the one thing that I agree with is I think they would have a very different um, disposition and I do think that their style of play would be different. Um, the Vikings, it, by the way, are tied for 31st in the NFL in rushing attempts. And they've played in mostly close games. They've had, yeah. like, what, three blowouts and mostly close games. And e- even playing in close games, they've run the ball 170 times fewer than the teams that run the ball the most. But don't you think that the team would, would have, the roster, I should say, would have looked very different? With Harbaugh, I don't think Harbaugh would have. I think part of the problem is he probably said, "Look, I've looked at your roster; it needs some changes." And from day one, I got the feeling that, at least from ownership standpoint, they're like, "No, no, no! It was all Zim. This team is still good." Yeah, uh, and they've won twelve games to their credit. But like, if we go down that path, I think it's very intriguing because I don't think Harbaugh would have had the patience or would have wanted to try to craft what Zimmer left. I think he would have said, okay, some of those guys certainly can stay and they're good, but I want more changes. I don't know. Well, first of all, there's only so much you you could really do. There's a a couple things that, like, 
two aging middle linebackers. You know, mm-hmm. maybe maybe he takes issue with that, but it's not like they were just ready-made dudes. You know, they they had to draft Asamoah, and we don't really know about him. So I think if it was a similar ball of clay, I'm saying it would have been a he would have molded it into a tougher ball of clay. That team would not have ranked 31st in rush attempts this year. You know the. The, the Eagles have run the ball 510 times, even with explosive weapons. Devontae Smith, you know, A.J. Brown, they still have an explosive passing game. And they've run the ball 510 times to the Vikings 360. And some of that, maybe the Eagles have had leads in games and they're, and they're running the ball in the second half. And and Jalen Hurts has some rush attempts. Yeah. It skews the ball. Uh, it skews a little bit, too. Um, but I just think, I just think, I think you would have seen a. It would have been interesting to see a different personality and style to a similar ball of clay. And what would it? Maybe maybe they have ten wins right now or something. Still winning the division, they still would have been probably the three seed. But um, just you know, just kind of reflecting. These are the hottest takes. This is a safe space to express uh, our yeah. hottest Vikings takes. I'm okay? digesting. People okay? are going to be all judgy. Well, we cre- we create safe spaces on these shows. Okay, Thursday is reckless speculation. Thursday on Mackie and Judd. Monday is a place for you less than 24 hours after a devastating loss to express your hottest takes, okay? Mondays are a heavy day, though, because we, we start it's a with... safe space. Because we start the day, we start early, and we pull out from from the from the microwave the, the hottest take, which has been, you know, which is piping hot. Then we go to a pie. Like, you got to think about this. We get this like we're tra- we're trying to j- digest this early in the morning. It's microwave, and then it's the pie. Beeps. I prefer the air fryer. And- if, if 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 you if you want to microwave your ticks, that's okay. But I'm going to preheat my air fryer to get a more proper uh, heating situation. That's probably you a know, great point. Can I say a total side point here? We that's discovered we we love our air fryer. We discovered air fryer liners this weekend. Oh yeah, the- so you don't have to clean your air fryer yep. every nice. single time oh, you put something. Very nice. Oh, I'm all over that. It is a game changer. Game changer. I'm all oh over that. God, mm-hmm. cleaning the air fryer is a pain in the ass. It really it is. Pull it the is. grill out, yep. it's, and it's the grill and the grill's and hard to clean because stuff gets is stuck true. in this there. It, it really does. Yeah. So anyway, but anyway, I am I am digesting right now. Dex, your thought? Uh, so you're basically saying the perception of the Vikings and their style would be different. I'm saying they. I'm saying they don't get beat. They don't get their doors beat like they have three or four times this year. I'm saying they would have been a tougher team to play against in general. I am not saying they would have more wins because I think there's yeah. there's been some sort of magical formula here. Yeah, but I do think I think a Jim Harbaugh coached team would not have a minus point differential here going into the last week of the season. I don't think they'd be 31st in rushing attempts, and I don't think they'd be a laughing stock of the national media and, quite frankly, of opposing teams. I think you would fear them going into the playoffs. Nobody fears the Vikings going into the playoffs right now. And so from the, from those standpoints, I think this team would have been a more formidable opponent. Now, it might have flamed out in year three, which is what happens with all Jim Harbaugh teams ever, basically. Like, even Michigan tried to get rid of him after, like, four years. And then they, ah, I guess we'll just keep him, whatever. And now he's blasting off. So, that's what I'm saying. Okay. All right. All yeah. right. All right, go ahead, Chad. Go ahead. All right. My hottest take. There's no good way to put it, so I'm just going to throw it out there. The Vikings are going to be eliminated in the first round of the playoffs. Okay, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a lukewarm take. The Vikings are going to be eliminated in the first round of the playoffs, which I didn't yeah. think until now 
but the more I watch this, multiple reasons. The defense can be uh, can be schemed up for one game in which they could basically easily collapse. The offense is inconsistent, and we now have more and more of a blueprint of how to beat them. Um, Brian O'Neill has a calf injury, which I fear is going to be a long-term problem, and which I fear could very well keep him out. And so now the question is, okay, he is... He is your best veteran offensive lineman, and now he's lost. What happens then? And also, since they started eight and one, the Vikings are four and three. The Vikings, if you start with that Dallas loss, have three losses in their past seven games. All of these things, I, I thought, okay, the Vikings home playoff game, they can win game one, game two might get dicey. But the more I watch this and how this is playing out, the Vikings go out at home in the first round against probably the Giants. Boy, yeah, and the Giants already have, you know, they've already you know, gone 12 rounds with you in a boxing match. So they, kind of, they kind of know what you bring. Yeah. There's just too many, there's too many things here. And the O'Neal, you know, don't sleep on the fact that if, O'Neal is lost. That is just a massive loss. That is a massive, massive loss. And I'll go back to 2000. And don't forget, too. So, like, in 2017, um, in a game, I don't know if it was a night game, at Lambeau Field, I think it was Nick Easton. That guard was lost. Mm -hmm. And, and, I mean, that was Easton, who was a nice player, but certainly not Mm O'Neal. And the Vikings juggle had to juggle their line. If you recall, they moved Remmers. And they moved this guy. And that basically, by the time they got to, to the um, conference championship game, that line was a mess. Elfline then got hurt, and they were screwed. So, like, this this offensive line has been improved. Um, but I think we're to the point now where it's teetering. And if Bradbury can't come back, and it's a back, so there's no guarantee there. If Bradbury and yeah. O'Neal don't play, I think they are ripe to be picked off quickly. Yeah, the O'Neill thing too. We talked about this on Ventline, but it's a it's a calf strain at at best, mm-hmm. torn calf at worst. In either event, even if it's kind of mild, it doesn't just go away in five days. Not that injury. We've seen the, the calf injuries have taken out a third of the Timberwolves roster this year. Yeah, Jordan McLaughlin's been out for like a month. Carl Anthony Towns is going to wind up being out for, for two months, depending on the grade. You are out for weeks and weeks. Yeah, and don't forget too. So they they announced calf in the press box, which is like an early hey tell tell the public something. Uh, but calves are often once they get to an MRI, uh, calves can often become Achilles. Oh wow, this is reckless. So if this becomes th- this has been thrown out. This has are been you thrown recklessly out speculating a career altering injury right now? I am saying an MRI will tell a story, and I know from having covered the sport for a long time that what you're told in the press box is a very often preliminary indication of what the problem is. For instance, Schlotman was announced as an ankle. Okay, he twisted his ankle. That must hurt. So so badly that he broke his leg. <laughs> he broke his leg. Right, exactly right. But, I mean, keep in mind that that was announced initially as a ankle. So the point being is I fear this is going to be worse than than just a calf, which is, as you said, Phil, already bad. Yeah. And now we're talking about, okay, who's going to play right guard? Huge loss. Oh, gosh. What a 
you know, it's almost fitting. Like, they went on this magical carpet ride, and now it just slams into it. It's, like, kind of foggy. You're on the magic carpet ride, but you can't really see. It's like like a plane going on the side of the mountain? Yeah. (laughs) Kind of. Hey, can't see anything. (laughs) Jesus. So cryptic and dark. All right, Declan, what is your hottest Vikings take? My hottest take is I'm glad the Vikings lost this game. Wow. I'm glad the Vikings okay. lost this game. You haven't you haven't seen enough blowout losses. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm, it, it, to me, this now gives you kind of clarity of your future here going into the playoffs. So this this loss and combined with San Francisco winning, so now you're you're basically the three seed. You could still technically get the two if you beat the Bears and somehow David Blau beats the beats the Niners. But I'm I'm just under the assumption Vikings are going to be the three seed, and with the Giants locked in as the six seed, you're going to most likely play the New York Giants. Now, you basically get a bye week going into this week against the Bears. It's basically a mini bye. It's probably going to be Nick Mullins. They might throw the starters out for a series or something for simplicity's sake, but it's going to be a bye week. You've got to rest your players. It's all good. You've seen the Giants. You've seen who they are. Yes, you went toe-to-toe with them in a 12-round boxing match, but let's be honest here. Of all the draws they could possibly get, the Giants are the most favorable team to play. Now, I know New York's probably saying the same thing, like, oh, Good, awesome. We get the Vikings yeah. again. They they, they only beat sure us are, yeah. on a 60-yard Hail Mary field goal, basically, right? Um, yep. And now the Packers, who are now gone from 4-8 and eight to win and in, if they win their game, obviously, they get the seventh seed, which means they get to go to San Francisco. Aaron Rodgers, on a revenge tour, gets to go to San Fran. They could potentially knock off the 49ers. The Vikings, if they knock off the Giants, that means... If the, if the Packers winning their game, they get a second playoff game. They still get a, another home game in the divisional round because Aaron Rodgers and the Packers would then have to go to the one seed. So actually, I think the path of them getting the three seed makes things a lot easier, and I can kind of project and look ahead. And I know when you look ahead too far in the NFL, you end up with yolk on your face before you, um, get, you know, count your chickens before they hatch here. But I actually think the Vikings losing this game gives them a lot more clarity on their playoff future. I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of gymnastics, like, trying to predict, okay, if this team does this and that, but in general, they're going to get a favorable, like, as favorable as you can get home game in the first round. Either way, whether they're the two-seed or the three-seed, like, they're going to get a team that they should hypothetically have a good chance against. Anything after that, I think, is is a tough stretch. Like, any home game that, let's, let's say they get past the first round, they beat the Giants. Any road game, like at San Francisco or something, is going to be a huge uphill climb. And I'd have to go look look at seedings and stuff here, so I'm kind of talking out of my ass, like usual. But any home game you would get at some point would be like, okay, Dallas. I think Dallas can still win the division, so maybe Philadelphia. Yes. yes Aaron Rodgers could come back to U.S. Bank Stadium. I mean, these aren't like favorable games the way that you've been getting drubbed. But I see your, I see your point. And it's a, you know, going into the game, we all kind of said, if you get beat, and we didn't think that getting beat would entail being down 41-3 to or whatever the score was, but yes. the Packers' season's on the line. I'm not trying to justify or, like, you know, let the Vikings off the hook for the way that they played. But at the end of the day, they didn't really, the only thing they lost was a spot in seeding. It was like, if they get to the second round, it's a road game instead of a home game. Um so it was a it was a much bigger deal for the Packers yesterday to keep their season alive. So I kind of I kind of get it from that perspective. But how does this happen three times in one season where you just well, look like you woke up as you were getting off the team bus? It's baffling. 
And you also lost a chance for, like, th- this game, the thing about this is, yes, this game was huge for the Packers because if they lose, they're out. But for the Vikings, this game was huge. One, it's the Packers. You're going into Green Bay. Two, because on the off chance now that that uh, Philly uh, falls next weekend, you had a chance at the top seed. And the buy, you could have got yourself a buy. Like there were a lot of things about this game yep, that you. were absolutely imperative. And here's the problem again, like the Dallas game, you know, showed it. Like after the Josh Metellus block of the punt, and you've got the ball at the damn one yard line. You tell me what was positive about that game. Like what did they do? No, they looked, I, I, they looked unprepared. I agree. I can't get past that. I can't get past that, and I also can't get get past the fact that. Declan's guy, Greg Joseph's going to screw him in the playoffs, and I can feel it coming in my bones. Well, I'll give you guys a chance to talk about a lot of these things in the pie chart. I will pause after every slice so you guys can vent along along with uh, each slice of pie here. But those are the hottest Vikings takes. So Declan is you – no, know, last time Declan said that everyone – I'm fine with this. Everyone should calm down. Greg Joseph made like 14 kicks in a row and yeah. booted a game-winning yeah. 61-yarder. So And then – Yesterday completely screwed the pooch. Well, he did. No one's perfect. Um, Wait. Let's get to the pie chart here. We'll get to some silver linings. Yes, we are contractually obligated to give you silver linings after each Vikings loss. So we'll do that too. But a shout out to our friends heading into the new year here. Uh, and thank you to everyone who has supported our sponsors throughout the weeks and years. It helps keep us going and providing you this daily content. So thank you. And uh, Finch Home Solutions is one of those great partners here, Judd. Yep, and it only takes one call to Finch to get any electrical issues in your home fixed. Let's say that uh, let's say you've got some lights that don't work, an outlet. In fact, I I just saw Phil send me a note from from someone who had an electrical outlet or two that looked dangerous. They weren't working. Guess who came and fixed them? Finch, because fix, Finch can fix any problems. Or if you're gonna let's say have a hot tub installed, you got to have electrical work done there too. Finch can fix that. Don't wait until something goes wrong. Finch right now offering a free home safety inspection to all of our listeners. Be sure to tell them that you heard about Finch on Score North. And there are special deals for people that tell them exactly that. And you know what? If if you do, uh, tweet me. Tweet me and say, hey, I use Finch because it helps us to pass along the fact that Score North works. And we know for a fact that Score North does work. Visit FinchHomeSolutions.com or you can call them 612-357-2604. FinchHomeSolutions.com, 612-357-2604. And a shout out to our friends too. If you're a business owner out there, Federated Mutual Insurance Company has been helping businesses with a guiding hand, risk management tools and resources for over 100 years. They're based in Owatonna, Minnesota since 1904. So they are one of us, so to speak. And uh, you can find a full list of industries Federated specializes in over at federatedinsurance.com where they believe in face-to-face relationships and they believe in long-term trust and a partnership. They measure their success by the success of your business. So check them out, federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. All right. Every time the Vikings win, we give you the pie chart of praise. And for the fourth time this season, we give you the pie chart of blame. Now on Mackie and Judd. This chart makes it as clear as I can to you. The pie chart of blame. You want to blame somebody? The Rock knows how you feel about pie. Gentlemen, eight slices. Good. Eight slices from Chef Mackadack here. Mm. 
Okay. And I'm going to be a little, they're not going to be exactly in order, but we're going to start with the smaller ones and then work our way up. Let's do 2% for injuries. I don't think it should be a big deal because it's week 17. It'll be week 18. Teams are dealing with injuries. Teams have lost right tackles. Teams have lost centers. Teams have lost skill position guys, defensive players. Like, it's it's the NFL. And the Vikings have actually been pretty fortunate on that front. They haven't had, like, you know, the Baltimore Ravens had, like, 20 guys go down last year, right? Like, they haven't had anything like that. Uh, but when you do lose your backup center after having your starting center be out with a back injury and then your all-pro caliber right tackle goes down with maybe a season-ending injury and your quarterback's not the most mobile guy, although he did run for, like, 40 yards about? yesterday. A couple nice runs by old Kirky boy. Yep. Um, injuries definitely played a role. And then there was the whole snap count thing, which we'll get to for half the game. So I'm going to say 2% injuries. Some people are going to say, no, it should be 50%. It's the NFL. you got to find a way. Your backups have to come in and at least figure it out to some extent. You can't look completely chaotic like the Vikings did. It's a 2% injury. And if you guys have thoughts, feel free to just jump in after each slice here. You good? Uh, I'm going to go 10% to special teams. Now, it would have been higher if not for a Josh Metellus early game-changing and momentum-changing blocked punt. I think this would have been more like 25 30%. But they had a blocked freaking punt for the second straight week that could have given them a seven-point lead if they either scoop it and score it or just score from the one-yard line. Uh, but then after that, like immediately after that, you had a kick-return touchdown that swung momentum back to the Packers. And then Greg Joseph, I get that these weren't chip shots, but do your job. This is a It's a first half where things are slipping away. Can you get it to a two-touchdown game instead of a three-touchdown game late in the second quarter, right? And he's just nowhere close on a couple field goals that were... We're not talking 60-yarders here. We're talking a 40-something-yarder and, like, a 50-yarder. And uh, he couldn't make them. And Kevin O'Connell on the sidelines was just clenching his teeth <laughs> and shaking his head because he's. I think he's missed the most field goals of any. He's, I think he's missed the most kicks, if you include extra points, even with the nice you know four-week hot stretch. And according to Football Outsiders, the Vikings have one of the handful of worst special teams collections in the NFL this season because of missed kicks, big returns, etc. It's a problem. That's swung big time, too. I, I feel like they got off to a good start, aside from Joseph struggling from 50-plus uh, yards on, on some PATs. I feel like they got off to a good start, but that Nixon 105-yard kick return, first of all, it swung the game completely. Like, that was... That was the first huge problem because the Packers stopped you. Okay, that's a problem, but you still got a field goal, right? You're up three yeah. rip and you're okay. And you give up a 105-yard return to a guy who who is having a great year on kick returns. And if you go back and watch that, I mean, somebody, there there was some lane discipline problems there because somebody, if not more than one guy, got out of their lane. The wide, that the middle of the field. I mean, Greg Joseph is standing basically in the middle of the field yeah, and was the guy. last guy to truly try and tackle him. And, um, yeah, I, I've been very disappointed in what has become in the second half of the season, in my opinion, the unevenness of special teams. They're not consistent. They'll do some really good things, and then they'll pull that type of crap. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I probably would have, would have, even with a block punt, given them a bigger chunk of the pie. But um, I've been different. I've been disappointed because I thought, I thought special teams – 
was really a strength for the first part of the season. Judd said lane discipline. So we have to give him the football. Lane discipline. I mean, the, the 46-yarder he missed, that's when the Vikings could have made it a one-score game. So it would have been 14-6 to at that point when Greg Joseph missed the first field goal. But the second one, I mean, he makes that, and it's 27-6 to if he makes that kick. No, it's 24-6. Um, they, they came right back right, down. They got 20, the field goal. Let's call it 24-9 to if he does his job the first time. Yeah. yeah and again, right. they're probably losing either way, so that's why it's not a huge slice of pie. I agree. It's but part of the it just, it just It just adds to the, God, the, the momentum is, is there's just waves crashing. We just need something to push it back right. the other way, and he misses. Also, yep. stop making him a special teams player of the week because it's the second time he's won this award, and the very next <laughs> week he's had disastrous performances coming off it. He gets a little too hot. I don't think you got to give Greg too much uh, love. As Matt Daniels said this week, I just let him be. And now you get him the award. Now he's missing kicks yeah. again. Come on. Come on. So special teams, 10%. Of the pie. Let's continue here. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. We're going to go 5% to NFL TV executives that have once again <laughs> decided that Jim Nance and Tony Romo should call the Vikings game. So this season, the Vikings have been outscored. Let me see here. Uh, I believe it's 81 to 20. 81 to uh, 20. Okay. And seven, 14 of those are garbage time from yesterday. It was uh, 80. I think it was 81 to. At one point, it was like 81-6 to six yeah. competitively in those games. When Tony Romo and Jim Nance call a game, someone dug this up. If you just look at games, Viking games that Jim Nance has called, they're over their last eight. <laughs> Going back to 2014, is that correct? I'm just pulling this from a random dude on Twitter. No that idea. Jim Nance, That uh, some of these include Jim Nance and Phil Sims. Most of them are Jim Nance and Tony Romo. Oh, you know what? You know what? They called the the Zimmer 2016 Buffalo debacle when the uh, Bills were it w- terrible. It was the 2018. 18. And, and it was Romo, yeah. That's right. They called that game. But then they've called, there might have been like a Thanksgiving game in 2016 where they lost to Detroit. There was a Detroit loss in there somewhere. Uh, then there was another Packers game in 2014, but it's been almost 10 years nice. apparently oh since the Vikings have won a Jim Nance broadcasted game. So shame on you. The, the league is rigging these games against the Vikings every time they put Jim Nance on a flight to Minnesota somewhere. Um, so, I mean, I, I, like, I know people have an issue with Romo sometimes because he gets all squirrely and stuff, but I like him. I think he's spot on with yeah. a lot of his observations. He's hating on the Vikings. He's being honest. Yeah. <laughs> he's giving you an honest assessment. So uh, 5% to TV executives. Let's go 3% to wide receiver coach Keenan McCardell. Hmm. Stick with me on this one. Okay. Before the draft, Keenan McCardell delivered an impassioned speech and plea to the front office and the coaching staff, the leadership of the Vikings, saying, do not draft a wide receiver early anyways. We do. We are good. My guys are good. Our guys, we got Justin Jefferson. We're covered in this department. Adam Thielen, a ring of honor guy, right? Yep. Well... Adam Thielen has become almost unplayable. And I don't think anyone wanted to be honest about it because he's Adam Thielen, right? Oh, he's he's going to be fine. He's Adam Thielen. So I told you guys this uh, during Ventline yesterday, but he is now one of the, after being in his prime, one of the best receivers against man coverage. He was better than like 
like OBJ in his prime yards per route run against man coverage. He is now one of the worst wide receivers against man coverage. How, how many times have you seen him on a route down the field over the middle and there's just a defender hanging on his shoulder pads, right? Because mm-hmm. he can't get separation. And if you look at his last two seasons, he's the number two receiver, the number two targeted receiver by far. He is like the money he makes, the target shares, everything. He is your number two. Over the last two seasons, he only has five games over 70 yards receiving. 70, not 100, not 100, not, we're not even talking home run games here. He has five games of 70 or more receiving yards, including only one all season. It was against New Orleans in week four. He's just like, in a game like yesterday where the Packers say, all right, we're just going to focus all of our attention on Justin Jefferson. We're going to jam him at the line, and we're going to put help over the top, two or three defenders constantly making sure that he's covered. That creates one-on-one matchups both in man and on the other side of the zone for guys like Adam Thielen. And K.J. Osborne took advantage a little bit yesterday. Yeah, He Um, he did did. catch like seven passes. Yep. Thielen back-to-back weeks with one reception. He has two catches for 22 yards in the last two weeks. It's just, uh, it's not working anymore. And you know what comes down to the... I blame Keenan McCardell for standing up for... (laughs) Incorrectly standing up for the talent in that room. Well, I saw Thielen declining. I didn't see this. Because, yes, he is... Playing him now is is a disservice in some ways because Jefferson needs a guy who can not just be a good player but can excel, and Thielen can't now. Um, But the other thing, too, is it's this simple on Thielen, and it's the Cousins thing from previous years, not so much or not this season. His contract doesn't fit his production. He's a bad investment. Yeah, he is a bad investment, and, you know, the fact that they sign him again is a problem. There are real issues about how now you're going to get out of the contract after 2022 going into 2023. And that shouldn't be a problem. At his age, <clears throat> he should be easily just cut. And you know what you say? Thank you. If you want to work for us and retire, awesome. You can. But uh, I think it's high time as the playoffs approach, and a <laughs> curveball is necessary. I think it's high time that consideration goes to Jalen Naylor playing way more. I don't know he's if he a, can yeah. do it, but you know what he can do? He can run. And if he, he, can he catch was a big ball, play guy in college. Yeah. Yes. And if he can catch the ball, the prop it's not that I can't stand Thielen. It's that what he's doing doesn't provide Jefferson with a compliment. And that's what Jefferson needs. Osborne comes the closest right now. But uh yeah, Thielen's is incapable of stretching the field at any point now. And if Jefferson's going to be the primary focus of opposing teams, which he's going to be, you need someone who can stretch the field. TJ Hawkinson can catch passes. I need a wide receiver that is actually a threat down the field that Kirk can look to. Yeah, Thielen has uh, one 100-yard game in the last two seasons. Yep. And even in 2020, he had three 100-yard games. After having only won the year. So he has five 100-yard games since 2018. Mm-hmm. Let that sink in for a second. Five 100-yard games in the last four years for a guy that I think is going to be a Ring of Honor guy. He's one of the great receivers oh, yeah. in Vikings history, but yeah. it is it is not working anymore. Two catches the last two games. One yeah. catch in each. Yep. All right. 
to Kirk Cousins. And what we're doing with the 15% is we're, we're taking a chunk of it and we're giving a bite to Chris Reed, the third string center here. So here are my criticisms for Kirk Cousins and then like a bite for Chris Reed. This was a classic game where the Cousins Crusaders of Purple Daily are great friends who have defended Kirk Cousins to the death at every single turn as a Viking. You can't blame Cousins for this game. What's he supposed to do? You know, offensive line, this, defense, that, right? Well, I would start with two things. Number one, he's not the only thing to blame, as you can see by the eight slices of pie in the pie chart of blame. But let's start with the quarterback finding a way to not throw three interceptions and fumble twice. Four turnovers. You put another ball on the ground in part because, you know, the center exchange thing was was quirky yesterday. But these Cousins duds, they don't happen often anymore, but they seem to happen in epic fashion on the road, sometimes at home against really good teams when it's like a, a litmus test game and it's on the road. It's not every time, but uh, the timeliness or lack thereof of these Cousins duds just does not help the team. Um, so I would say this about Kirk. His 2022 resume is not complete yet. If you've crowned him and you've celebrated, and he like, he deserves a lot of credit for this 12-win team so far. But the season doesn't end on December 10th or 17th. The most meaningful games are still to come. And for people wondering, why doesn't he get the respect he deserves? Everyone disrespects Kirk. It's because of crap like yesterday. I get it. Things are going wrong. It's on the road. Oh, my God, there's a big kick return touchdown. Dude, it is your job. Backup center, injured, third string center. What's he supposed to do? Rise above it? Maybe you don't win. But can you at least punch back a little? And he's punched back a lot in games, and they've had a bunch of fourth quarter comebacks. But some of these blowouts, it's like, dude, this is what happened in the San Francisco playoff game a few years ago, right? At some point, you're going to get into these situations inevitably, and you just need your guy to punch back. And yesterday, he just he just looked like classic sort of nervous dud. Like Kirk O'Chains did not want to come out in the cold or something yesterday. Stay in the locker room. Yes. Um, so t- uh, Tony Roma, by the way, ripped Cousins for two things yesterday on the broadcast, tactfully, but you could tell he was worked up about it. Um, number one, for not getting Justin Jefferson involved earlier. Well, what's he supposed to do? I'd say, well, if you notice that, your star receiver is getting punked off the field and then on the field by Jair Alexander early. Like, you know, there's the the comments on Wednesday or Thursday, and then he does the gritty in front of Justin Jefferson. I'm going as soon as I can just throw a bubble screen or something to him. Just get him going. Let him signal first down, right? And uh, it didn't happen until the third quarter. And, and Tony Romo on the broadcast was like, oh, Jim, I would have done that an hour ago. And then he kind of moved past it. And then the other thing was your third string centers in the game simplify the snap count. They were still using these like complicated snap counts on the road early, delay of game, false starts. And Romo said, and I agree, communicate, take control. Hey, we're going on one. Everything is going to be simple from this point going forward. How many times was it like chaos? Oh my God, move chaos. This what's the snap count? And so some of that stuff has to be on the leader. Things are chaotic. It's on you to calm it down, take control, simplify. Get the ball to your star receiver. And he failed yesterday. Doesn't mean he's failed this season, but he failed yesterday. So 15% to Cousins and a scoop to the guy that's been in the league for like six years and can't figure out what the snap count is, Chris Reed. He had never played center in a game before. I didn't even yeah, but, realize that. But he's practiced that. there all year, too. I, like, 
I didn't even realize that though. And so, yeah, if, if Kirk indeed was still basically like, no, the, these are our snap counts. At one point, Tony said that, that there were half snap counts, that yeah. it was like three and a half and, and then uh, snapped the ball. And, the, and uh, for Ezra Cleveland's jumping, it's not his fault. You know, the ball's not being snapped when it's supposed to be. Make yeah. it simple. So the thing about this, too, is, and I, I have a feeling that there's going to be a large slice of pie here. The man who runs Kirko Chains, when he struggles, have you noticed Kirk struggles? The man who is the ventriloquist of Kirko Chains. Yeah, because we'll, Kirko Chains, we'll yeah, and, and let's make no mistake here, too. And this has become evident. It was evident against Dallas yesterday again. Um, Kirko Chains has been outed, identified. Because it's not Kirk Cousins. It is the man who calls the plays for Kirk Cousins. When he loses his wits, because Kirk doesn't have, like, this whole thing, and I said this yesterday, too, and this is not even a rip, but when Kirk Cousins loses his wits and Kevin O'Connell does as well, shockingly, they look a lot, or Kirk looks a lot like he did previously a lot of times. So, like, this is very, it's very easy to draw from point A to point B, I think, here, on how this has worked and why it works well at times. But when Kevin O'Connell gets out of sorts, Kirk Cousins is never going to have the response of, oh, hey, Kevin, I got this. I love Kevin Judd o- has just revealed the magic of the ventriloquist here. Oh, my the, God. <laughs> the, chains is, the chains is very clear. The chains yeah. is a guy who is wired like a quarterback. He's wired like a star one. He's wired like that. He thinks like that. And he never had the ability. This is like a dream sequence where Kevin O'Connell magically has been given an opportunity to run a quarterback who could do all the things that he wanted but had to have that support. And again, what we saw yesterday, I think very, very clearly was when Kevin O'Connell struggles and like gets freaked out himself, there's no bringing this thing back. One thing to consider here, too, that these are probably conversations for later in the week, but if if this loss happens again in the playoffs, which it could, like your season, we've we've seen this happen like once a month now almost. This is how your season could end. It could maybe you win a game, but like go to San Francisco yeah. or something. It, it is very possible that this is how your season could end. Just want to prep Vikings fans for that. Brace yourself for impact. A lot of hard questions are going to be asked behind the scenes, right? Decisions about players' futures, and all I will say is, I, I think I think there's another year of Kirk left because it's you know he's under contract, he has a no trade clause, so I, I think there's another year of Kirk left. But if we think Kevin O'Connell did a great job maximizing and elevating Kirk, mm-hmm. especially in late game high leverage situations, fourth quarter comebacks, it's the best version of Kirk we have seen in those situations. It means he can probably do it with other quarterbacks too. Young quarterbacks, other veteran quarterbacks. So I I don't think this is based on Kirk's age and based on some of these clunker games that you see mixed in when you, you gotta have you gotta hey, we we need you to help save us. And he does it sometimes, but maybe not often enough for the price tag relative to the to the rest of the team, right? Like I'm just saying if if we think KOC did a great job with cousins, let's be open to the idea that he can do it with other quarterbacks that might have more physical tools than Kirk does that don't make $35 million to the salary cap. What if, what if he finds one who has the same hubris, the same confidence, the same sunny disposition that he does? Could be. What if he finds his own Joe Burrow? 
that when things when things are going poorly in Green Kevin Bay, you're not just screwed for the next three hours. That's what um, yes. 15% to Ed Donatel. You know it's a rough go when your justification for yesterday's blowout is, well, the defense only gave up 27 because, uh, you know, there was a pick six and a, yeah, that's still awful. <laughs> still not enough to win a game. So how about hold a team to 16 points once? Can we Can we do that at some point? I just think the Vikings defense has been so insurmountably awful this year that it all it, it almost clouds the other conversations you would have about the offense or Thielen or Cousins. Like, well, what are you supposed to do? It's the worst defense in the NFL. Therefore, nothing else needs to get fixed. So it's Ed Donatel, shame on you for one of the worst defenses in the league, and shame on you for clouding other things that might need to get fixed as well because, well, what are they supposed to do? You know, the defense gives up 30 points every game. And yesterday they played a key third down with 10 guys on the field. So it's not even... came back with 12. I know, two plays later, 12 on the field. <laughs> so on one hand, yeah, they have an aging defense. They've got guys that probably need to go at some point here, and there's definitely personnel problems. But dude, 10 guys on the field, and your players are screaming to the sidelines, oh my God, do something, call timeout, send someone over. And you stand there nervously hiding behind your play sheet. And same for Kevin O'Connell. Let's get to that one here too real quick. You're 30%. Well, 20% Justin Jefferson, who got punked both on and off the field by Jair Alexander. It was yep. his worst game as a pro. They're yep. going to get physical with you. you got to figure it out. Mm-hmm. It's, you can't be the best wide receiver in the NFL and then have that happen to you. you got to go catch at least five passes or something, right? Like, come on. And some of it's on Kirk, too. you got to. Fi- you guys got to find a way to unlock this. you got three hours to do it. And then uh, Kevin O'Connell gets the biggest slice, thirty percent of the pie. Who knows how you feel about pie for overseeing debacles multiple times this year? Games in which the Vikings were completely unprepared. He's also overseeing the worst defense in the NFL here too. Let's not lose sight of that. I mean, this is his team more than it's Ed Donatel's team. And the Vikings' offense regularly disappears for like an hour, hour and a half of real time almost every week. And so I love what KOC has brought to the table largely, but it's hard to find a team that has looked less prepared than the Vikings in some of these games or like the first half of the Colts game. Like this stuff happens where they just look, they look like a college team playing an NFL team for long stretches. And ultimately that has to land on the head coach. So 30% KOC, 20% Justin Jefferson, 15% Ed Donatel, 15% Kirk Cousins with a bite for Chris Reed. 5% 5% NFL TV executives, 3% Keenan McCardell for overhyping his wide receiver group, 10% special teams, 2% injuries. You guys go ahead and talk about O'Connell and J.J. if you want. The defense drives me crazy because of this. What do they do well ever, really? Like, what's their calling card? Uh, they're either being gouged in the passing game, or on Sunday, they get gouged in the run game. They have no identity. Yeah. Um I'm tearing that whole thing apart. I'm firing Donatel and, and his his staff. I don't know. They can go, too. I, I don't really care about that. Uh, but, I mean, when you look at this defense, who is, at this point in time, like, untouchable? I'm probably keeping Harrison Smith because his contract lends itself to him sticking around is actually probably easier. And he still does some good things. But, you know, Daniil Hunter is going to have to get a long, hard look here. Because the consistency, and, and he gets sacks, and he still is great, and I would prefer to keep him and and use him correctly. But I am just so tired. It's like it's like the Vikings bought this, you know, 
The Zim defense back in the day, they bought a nice 1998 car at the time, and they're still driving well, it's like the a damn 2017 thing. It's like a 2017 car. And, but they're still driving the damn thing, and it's like, no, you got to make some changes. You got to, like, at some point in time to improve this team, you are going to have to make some significant changes, swallow hard, and say some guys that you really like as people need to be gone. Um and the problem they, they put the, a spoiler on Mike Zimmer. They put a spoiler and <laughs> yeah, some rims yeah. on Mike Zimmer's defense. Like, oh, this, this is great. They thought they souped it up, and they actually some track made lights it, on the inside. They made it worse. So this defense, I am, I am going to hit the detonate button on, and I am going to make significant changes. Um, I'm also going. If you're going to run this too, let's find a guy that knows how to run it. Really, not the guy that knows. You know, he knows the guy from down the street who knew the guy who invented it. So, you know, that doesn't work. That's that, that's absolute crap. The offense, uh, and I, they didn't talk a long time about this. I, I wish that uh, the telecast would delve into deeper conversations, but they can't. Romo brought up, like, how the Vikings are this fourth quarter team, but he did it in a very interesting way by pointing out that they just disappear for long periods of time. Yeah. And then it's sort of like, and I think this is nationally, I think among the pundits who know what they're talking about, I think this is one of their frustrations, which is the Vikings excel when they absolutely have to. So they don't throttle down when they could and should. They do it when, oh, my God, we're down by a few or, you yeah. know, it's it's a tie score. So, yeah, I mean, I think that the Dallas loss, this loss, and to a certain degree probably the loss in week two at Philly all bring into question like where this team is probably going. And this has been fun and it's been successful. But I mean, I am willing to say right now, and it's not breaking news, it's no surprise. This in no way is sustainable. Like you've got a lot of things. And I mean, you know what too? I keep coming back to Dalvin. Dalvin's done some good things, but he dropped another pass, another sure pass. I I mean, my God, dude, you've got to catch that, that ball. And if you catch it, you're probably gone for, a good 15 to 20 yeah. yard chunk. His shoulder may or may not have popped out yeah. again at one point yesterday. Yep. I think that this is all a very, very kind cautionary tale to what is going to have to change. Yeah. I hope that the people involved in those changes are now allowed to make them. Yeah. So there you go. There's your pie chart. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. Very impressed. I think that's a record for Macadac. Yeah. I, I don't know how else you go about it. You can't just do three after a game like that. It's kind of like a like a season achievement award for some of these slices too, or we've just seen some of the same themes pop up. Um, let's uh, let's quickly just give, give me a quick, starting with Declan, a quick silver lining here. Let's put a, a positive bow, a positive look ahead here on what was a garbage Sunday afternoon. Uh, Josh Patelis, another block punt. I know we just gave special teams some, some, uh, some blame on, on the pie chart, but Josh Metellus, that's his second block punt. He's coming, become a nice little se- a special teams weapon for them. Um, so in a game with, with didn't have a lot of great storylines from the Vikings side, uh, I think the silver lining for me would be, would be Josh Metellus having another, another strong game. Um, boy, is it tough to come up with anything positive from this pile of dung. But you know what? I'm going to go Jalen Naylor, who got a chance, as I talked about before when we were discussing Thielen's decline, three catches, 89 yards, 47-yard touchdown, sixth-round pick from 2022, which, again, is why you can't completely judge this uh, draft class yet. Like, we don't know. This kid could be good. Uh, But you know what? Fifth and sixth-round picks at this spot before have made positive impacts. And so I would say the positive is in garbage time, it wasn't, the, it wasn't, you know, Kirk and the vets just 
cleaning up. You got a young kid in, you got him some playing time. And I honestly think you need to give him at least a chance. Give him a taste and let's see. I agree. I agree. Jalen Naylor. Um, I'm I'm just going to say clarity. I think sometimes, sometimes you need to hit rock bottom in life to just shine a light on it's, it's that time of year too, where everyone's reflecting on, another turning of the calendar page and what went right, what went wrong, and who do you want to be in 2023? And I think yesterday, both in the near term for the the last game of the regular season and and the playoffs and for the long term going into like free agency and the draft, a game like that yesterday kind of shines a light on who you really are, how much weight you have to lose, how you have to repair some relationships, maybe make some tough decisions, cut some people out of your Don't life. Don't repair relationships. End them. You could, and you might have to. End you might, rela- you this might is have football. To we end relationships. <laughs> we have no interest in repairing things. And then we things. awkwardly bring you back for celebrations five or ten years later. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's ownership. That's the front office. They're fine. <laughs> that's business department. Football yeah. ops, they end relationships left and right. I think also, like, you, forget about your record. No one cares what the Vikings record is at this point. They are now viewed as the weak link in the NFC playoffs. They just are. Unless maybe like Seattle gets in or something. Then maybe people think, oh, or Detroit. But the Vikings are now the weak link in the NFC playoffs. And I think there's some there's some comfort to that. Now you get to play the underdog role more so than ever. And the Vikings kind of love that. So expectations gone, truth revealed. And now you can operate with a clear mind going yeah. forward. But if O'Neal is done, I do think you're screwed. Like, I think he's that important. Thanks, Judd. This is a silver lining segment, okay? You're screwed. Did you really have, you really have to tackle that? silver lining is the importance of your right tackle. Here's the silver lining. Judd has to come in and be like, but, but. You're screwed. Yeah, here, here's your clarity. You're screwed. <laughs> Terrible. All right. Injury. That's a wrap on Purple Daily today. Daily Vikings Entertainment and Therapy for you guys. We will have more Vikings discussion on our other daily podcast. It's called Mackie and Judd, which you can find on the Score North YouTube channel and or the Mackie and Judd podcast feed. And uh, plenty more. I think we're going to have some more big picture conversations here before too long on the show. We like to get ahead of stuff. Well, the season's not over yet. And so we'll definitely we'll stay in the moment with you know, season talk too, but we, we do like to get out in front of stuff. So if we start speculating on things that may or may not happen in three months from now, you know, just know that that's kind of how we like to operate here. But Judd, Declan, Phil, we'll see you guys tomorrow on Purple Daily.